Hey, you're listening to Featuring Filmmakers, a podcast where we talk to people in the filmmaking industry about their projects and the creative process behind making them. My name is JJ. And I'm Amanda. And this is Featuring Filmmakers. To give you more context around this conversation, we highly recommend watching the project discussed on the blog at featuringfilmmakers.com. Today, we're talking to Winslow Murdoch and Lindsay Keyes, who co-directed the documentary, The Quiet Epidemic. This documentary talks about Lyme disease and the controversy around it in the medical field. The Quiet Epidemic has screened at many film festivals and opened the eyes of people all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into it. Before you guys, or before we kind of dive into The Quiet Epidemic, I'm curious about your background as filmmakers, how you individually became filmmakers and then sort of how your paths crossed? Yeah. So I, as a kid, knew that I wanted to work with cameras, had no idea why, could not explain it to my family or teachers. They were very frustrated with me, basically told me I was ruining my life and throwing away all of my potential by wanting to work with cameras. But I was very stubborn. Uh, I ended up going to Wesleyan University and was pursuing photography there. And quickly realized there was a film program. And for me, growing up in a thousand person farm town in upstate New York, making movies happened on other planets. It never occurred to me that I could make movies. I mean, Winslow grew up in a similar areas, so he understands that you don't really have many artists or especially filmmakers around you in that part of the world. But when I got to Wesleyan and I was in the dark room, I ended up you know, teaching all of these uh, film studies kids who were coming through how to use the darkroom. And they were like, you should start working on our film sets. And I was just, it was, it was very exciting. Once I got onto set, it felt like, oh, this is where I want to be. And then I got very sick with Lyme disease and I ended up moving home to upstate New York with my mom. And it just felt like, this story needed to be told and I was not planning on making a documentary film, but as we always say, this film chose us. So I, I started falling in love with cameras in high school. Um, similar to Lindsay, I grew up in a, we grew up not far from each other in, in upstate New York, about 45 minutes. Um, I grew up in a small farm town, but was very lucky that my high school um, happened to be in the district of this really corrupt state senator. <laughs> I don't know if he's actually that corrupt that I'm like scared to say that out loud. No, I think he's I think he's finally I think he's finally gone now. Um, he's probably listening. Though. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. he was. He was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely he's definitely listening. Uh, no, he was uh, he was actually really great for our district. And so he like pulled all this money into our tiny little school that had you know, not a whole lot going on and like 400 kids. And so we had ended up with a state of the art TV studio, like out of nowhere. And this amazing guy from New York moved up to run it. Um, and he was just incredible. His name is Mark Spitzer. And, uh, I just saw him actually like a month ago at one of our screenings of the quiet epidemic, um, for the first time in many, many years, which was amazing. And, um, you know, I think that school, as Lindsay was sort of alluding to, is like so structured and there was so many people being like, you have to do this and you have to take this. And um, with him, he was like, as long as you have a camera and you respect the equipment, you can do whatever you want. Um, and so it was this place where there was all this freedom for us to go out and sort of discover what it is that we wanted to say. Um, and so I took a TV journalism class with him. I took just like regular basics of how to, how to make films with him, learned how to edit with him, um, and really fell in love with it. And then decided I was going to go 
to school for it, I went to a small school in Connecticut as well, Connecticut College. Um, and the program there was very much based on on like film theory. And at that point, I just wanted to make things. Um, and so I was like, oh, this is not what I want. And I got away from it for a while and became an international relations major. And then um, I actually studied abroad in South Africa and had a, a final month to myself at the end of that program to do whatever research project I wanted to do. And instead of writing a paper, I made an hour long documentary about um, this homeless street soccer association that took these kids to this thing called the Homeless World Cup every year. Um, it was just an amazing project. And I think that in in doing that, it was that it was that reminder of like where film can take you and, and what it can be and the portals that it sort of opens up. And so after that, I was like, OK, this is really what I want to do. And um, graduated from college and was like, I'm not going to be a lawyer. Uh, we're going to be pretty bad at that job. And so. I guess film is the only skills that I have and, and just kind of ran with it from there. Wow. Okay. So then where did your paths cross? When I moved home with my mom in upstate New York, I had to leave my entire life behind in New York city. It was very, uh, awful. <laughs> I ended up going to see the slime doctor in the area. The only doctor who did not have a wait list that was like, you know, years long. I think I had to wait a couple of months, which is like nothing in the world of Lyme disease. And at my first appointment, um, I had already started meeting people in Los Angeles about this Lyme disease documentary that I did not know how I was going to make or who I was going to make it with. And I was asking a lot of my friends from college, like, do you want to get involved? And they were all like, yeah, yeah, let us know how we can help. But nobody actually wanted to do the deep dive because the subject matter is very intense and frightening and, um, complicated. And, mm -hmm. you know, you really have to have the personal experience, I think, to be willing to go down that rabbit hole. So at my first appointment with the slime doctor, I told her all of my symptoms and the whole situation. I was losing my mind as well as my, you know, my, my physical health. I couldn't read. I couldn't remember how to get home from work anymore. It was just like living in a personal torture chamber, 24 seven. And I don't say that lightly, like it was pure torture. I'm just like surprised that I'm even alive right now. She said, how are you going to get through this? <laughs> Do you have a passion? She said that at that clinic, they found that patients who had a purpose tended to have better outcomes. And I told her in that moment, I was just like, there's nothing else that I can do besides make this movie. I just have to surrender to it. So I told her, I declared, <laughs> I'm going to make a film, a documentary about Lyme disease. And she looked really excited. And she said, we have another patient here who's your age and he's a filmmaker and he also has Lyme disease. Do you want me to connect the two of you? And I always say this, but time kind of slowed down. It was like, oh, okay, you could spend your whole life wondering like, what's next? What's going to happen? What's my next project? All of these things. And then suddenly it, it just confronts you, you know, it finds you. <laughs> And it was just like, okay, here we go. I don't know who this person is or how we're going to pull this off or what it's going to look like, but it's happening. And I wrote a note and handed it to the nurse and she handed it to Winslow the next day. Holy smokes. <laughs> I think I have that, it. That's how you tell a story, guys. That is how you tell a story. Yeah, there, there it is. The note. Wow. <laughs> okay, what does it say? Can we know? Yeah. First off, I just want to say... I'm very sorry that you guys both had to walk through this and still continue to walk through um, Lyme's disease. I can't imagine that 
um, hurt and sort of just like pain that you had felt. So I'm, I really am seriously from the bottom of my heart. I'm sorry that you've had to walk through that. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the note says, hi, let's make a documentary about Lyme disease. I've been looking for a collaborator, but it's a tough sell. It's personal and complicated. Working with someone who gets it is essential. Reach out. Let's chat. Wow. And she left her email and her phone number. What are the odds? And it was like one of my, it was one of my last appointments at that clinic. Not necessarily. Well, yeah, pretty close to the end. And it was one of Lindsay's first. So, or was her first. But as we kind of dive into the film and into pre-production, I imagine there's just like all this information that you're gathering and keeping track of. And, and it sounds like you, it, there was a lot of pre-production. So, um, how did you organize that? How did you gather all the information? Can you tell me all those details? Well, it wasn't very well organized. <laughs> we, we both were really struggling. I mean, it's yeah. no secret. We were in really, really, really rough shape. Um, so our Google Drive is just a, it's a total mess still. And I always thought someday I'm going to organize this. and But things just never slowed down. They just picked up. And so what we quickly realized was that we were so far from alone. Like this world just exploded. It was like this underground, like kind of like buried world of this invisible illness that's been swept under the rug for decades. And we were just suddenly in the middle of it because of the Internet. We also had access to, you know, almost 50 years of scientific research. And we would go on these long drives and road trips and be crashing in people's houses and we would just be up late at night on the internet looking at these articles, just horrified, frankly, you know, to see that there were these published papers from the, the eighties before we were even born saying that Lyme disease can be deadly and lifelong life altering, you know, linking it to conditions like MS and ALS and, None of that is accepted in the mainstream anymore. So I think for us, it was just like it was it was a shocking discovery and there was endless research to be done. And it was I don't know. I mean, what like the research really never ended. It just kept yeah, kept yeah, going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we pushed ourselves pretty hard. I mean, there also wasn't that much of a difference between like pre-production and production. We sort of or early production. We just sort of jumped in. I think in, in a lot of ways, like our pre-production was figuring things out by traveling around and, and, and filming with people. There was certainly a lot of research as, as Lindsay said. And, you know, I think it was kind of interesting too, because in some ways, like when I think about pre-production, a lot of our pre-production was just figuring out what we had, you know, it was the experience that we were going through. And so as we were learning about, you know, like when I was, when I was diagnosed with Lyme, I didn't think that it was Lyme because I didn't think it, Lyme could be that serious because I'd grown up around it, but didn't really know much of it. Um, mm -hmm. And they handed me a, 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 like a sheet at the first appointment that was like, here's why we think you have Lyme disease and here's why Lyme disease is so controversial. Wow. So as a patient, one, you're getting a diagnosis. And finally, after, after getting passed in the medical system for months and months and months and months, and like going from it's a brain tumor to like uh, you're just probably just depressed um, to then ending up at a place where they finally diagnosed me with Lyme disease. 
but then you're also like reading this story on this, on this piece of paper about how doctors are getting sued and like they can't treat outside of these guidelines and like the CDC and uh, the, the powers that be in, in the medical institutions like don't believe that chronic Lyme disease can be a thing, which is the literal thing that you were just diagnosed with. And so pre-production was very much like figuring out how to survive. And that was the that was the welcome into the rabbit hole that is Lyme disease. Um, and as we walked down that path, you were coming up against more and more things of like, oh, wow, these if we are to tell a story about this that tries to explain why it's so hard to be a patient in this world, then these are all the things that we're going to have to talk about. And production. Yeah, I mean, you know, the footage gets a lot better as as we got healthier. Let's just put it that way. We were uh, we were barely standing up at some points and we, and we went all over the place. I mean, we were driving all around the country in my beat up RAV4 that had like 200,000 plus miles on and it. And mice. There were mice, mice living in it. Mice living in it. <laughs> okay, now. For a you, while. You've lost yeah, me. Yeah, you've lost yeah. me. Don't and get me started bad. on mice. <laughs> to have somebody who understands what you're walking through is huge. It's huge. And so to have someone that can say like, I know exactly, like you said, I know exactly what you're thinking and feeling right now. And that is, I just, makes me happy for you guys. Cause I'm like, (laughs) to have someone, you know, like, and as you're working together too, it builds, it builds a relationship that helps your working relationship as well too. And I, I'm seriously tearing up over here. I'm like, okay, Amanda, you gotta, you gotta cool it. But did you have to build out a crew from there? I think so eventually. (laughs) We had to, we had to raise money first. Um, But we did have, I mean, when did you ask Daria to join? Like pretty early Daria on, right? joined probably about a year. Well, we had been talking about it, but after we got that initial funding is when she joined. So about a year in, my best friend and roommate for many years happened to be a social impact documentary filmmaker. And it was just another, like you were saying before, Amanda, like meant to be is definitely a theme in this project. It's just very uncanny. Because she and I were both photography majors in college, and we both took these very winding and wildly different paths to the same point where we were actually able to collaborate, which was amazing. So, yeah, she joined us as a producer and was enormously helpful and still is. For a lot of the process, it was it was Lindsay and I just running around with the cameras. That was that was the crew. Um we had we did have it for a bit. We had some some friends of, of Lindsay's in New York who were really talented filmmakers who were like helping us set up some of the interviews and um, sort of teaching us the ropes on that front. And there, we had a lot of helping hands, but it was a lot of just the two of us um, out yeah. in these places trying to to figure out what was going to work. So backtracking, then you mentioned you had to figure out funding for this yeah. um, before you could even bring the crew on. What was that first step? Uh, where, how did you guys go about that? <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it was, so, it was so hard and it still is, but it's just funny looking back. I'm just laughing when I'm imagining we were in my hometown, um, at this covered bridge and everyone that we talked to, whenever we would mention the film, someone had a personal connection to Lyme, like hands down, like, I'm not even, I'm not even exaggerating. Probably 95% of the people uh, would, would end up having a personal connection. So we met this old man, uh, and he just like wrote us a hundred dollar check and was like, God, God bless you because his son has Lyme disease. Right. And yeah. 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 And then (laughs) like, thank you. And it actually meant a lot. We were like, Oh my God, a hundred dollars. This 
amazing. <laughs> <laughs> bucks. We're going to yeah. be able to do this after all, you know. And then my high school music teacher who saw what I was going through, bless him. He's an amazing person. He arranged a little fundraiser in, in a cafe in my hometown. And and it, and it might not sound like a lot of people, but in a town of a thousand people, probably a hundred people showed up and wow. they all had personal connections to Lyme. Wow. And we raised, I think, like 250 bucks nice. <laughs> or something. And we bought a domain and uh, a subscription to Squarespace and made a website. Perfect. And then Winslow, do you remember what happened next with the website? Because this was like this was like the big moment for us. Uh, the producer, our producer Daria, one of her former bosses, was uh, completely bedridden under a blindfold for like over a year at that point from Lyme disease, and he was like a high functioning exec, like you know, really powerful dude. And he was just laid out. And we sent him the website, and he wrote back, and he said. I'll give you $10,000 right now. If you can raise $10,000 in the next 10 days, I'll give you another $10,000. Go get them. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and we did it. Wow. You did it. Oh. We were sitting at my mom's kitchen table. Remember when that email came through? We were sitting at my mom's uh, table. We're like, oh, like, oh, no, we have to actually do this now. It's happening. Like hey, mom, 10, do you have $10,000? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, if only. Yeah. That would have made things a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, man. That's amazing. So, yeah, we ended up from that with like 37-something. And then we bought our first our first cameras. And then, and then we started going out on the road. And from there, it was just like cutting teasers constantly, like cutting little things from what we were shooting and trying to connect with folks who who cared. And then we finally got put in touch with this couple in California, um, who are incredible, uh, Phyllis and Scott Bedford, who run this foundation called the limelight foundation, which gives treatment grants to children who need, uh, Lyme treatment funds. And they, um, happened to be people who went to Sundance every year and loved film and understood how hard it was. And they, we were coming out for something else. I, I can't even remember what it was. It was another, it was like gala. <clears throat> another, Long yeah, gala. another, another event. And, um, they invited us to stay with them and um, they uh, we just were like, oh, great. These are nice people. We'll just we'll just we'll just stay with them. And the first uh, like we had a meeting with them and, and we were about to go to this event and they like basically surprised us, surprised us with a check for the film um, where they were like, we we believe in you. You guys should go do this. And for a hundred thousand dollars. Let's just be yeah. up front here. Yeah. Yeah. They gave us a check for a hundred thousand dollars, which for us, I mean, you know. That that was just insane. How did you react? Uh, How did you react? I was in just, that we were just we were just both just like like this like, like what? <laughs> yeah, we were like us. What you want to give mouth, us on? mouth wide jaw yeah. dropped? I think I started crying. Yeah, I mean it was a long long process from there, and and you know seven it was a seven year process by the time it finally uh, premiered at Hot Docs in in 2022. So the technical details, you know being behind the camera, like choosing lenses, choosing camera body. Is that something that excite you, excites you guys? Was that like a, a big part of the process or was it more so like, here's a story we need to tell it, like what's going to achieve that best? It was a, it was a bit of both. I think that had we had our full budget early on, it would have been a more fun process. Of yeah, like, definitely. Uh, what do we want? Uh, 
this was more more in the realm of what can we afford um, that will actually work. We started out with two Sony A7S2s and we're shooting on those. Uh, we actually we actually started with a C100, which was a camera that I just had, um, and some lens like an old lens that I had, and then um, and then we were on the Sony's, the Sony bodies, the mirrorless, um, and then we were able to purchase two FS5s um, and we shot the bulk of the film on those. Um, and that was really fun. They, you know, they, those cameras are, are great. We had, you know, have some issues with them, but for the most part, they were really fantastic. And for doc stuff, they're, they're amazing. Cause you can just, you know, they're high quality cameras that you can hold in your hand. Uh, mm-hmm. they're obviously bigger than the mirrorless systems, but they have all the things that you need. And so they ended up being really, really effective. Um, and then for the most part, we, we used zoom lenses in, in most of the Verite and then, um, had some primes that we used for, for the interviews. Um, and we did decide that we, you know, I think the, the biggest stylistic choice was choosing to do all the interviews straight to camera. Um, we wanted it to feel like testimonials and like these people were staring the audience in the eye and, and saying, here's my story, like take it or leave it. Like, but you were going to force you to choose whether you believe us or not. Um, and so that was, that was a big choice. So we got an eye direct and, and we shot every interview, um, with, with that system, except for one in the film. There's one that, uh, that we snuck in that, that looks close enough. I was, uh, I was actually going to ask about how did you go about finding and selecting the interview subjects? It was word of mouth. Every person we talked to would recommend that we talk to somebody else. We were also doing a lot of, again, research into the science and we're like, okay, who authored these papers? We should talk to them. And everybody wanted to talk to us, but we had to be very careful about who we decided to speak with. Um, so we chose people who were very credible. How many people total do you think you interviewed? Oh, I could pull up the list. Uh, it was, it was a lot. We had 700 plus hours of footage. Wow. Um, and the film is an hour and 40 minutes. So, yeah. um, you didn't oh, want to make boy. it, you didn't want to make it a 700 hour. <laughs> Winslow, you mentioned, um, that you guys used an iDirect. Can you just explain really quick what, that is an iDirect is just a system of uh, it's like a it's a box that you can buy that has like a system of mirrors in it. So you place it over the lens um, and then the person that you're interviewing looks, you know, directly into the lens. Uh, but the way that the mirrors are set up, it projects it projects the interviewer's face. So if I'm interviewing you, it would project my face in front of the lens. Um, so some people do use like teleprompter systems that has like a zoom screen there. And then like you're shooting through that, but this is just, it's cheaper and it's easier and it's a system of mirrors. Um, so basically my face would be directly projected directly in front of the lens and you're looking into my eyes, but you're actually looking directly into the lens. Okay. So you guys co-directed this. What does that mean to you? And what did it look like on this project? Um, it's, it's an ownership thing. It's like the two of us, the two of us were the two who cared about it enough to stick with it for seven years. And I can't imagine not having someone there that was like, that we were both pushing this, this rock up the hill, you know, and that, and that cared so deeply about it. Um, and that also like, yeah, it just, it just, I I don't know. It just happened so naturally and it, and it, felt like the only the only possible way forward. This is kind of a big question, but if you think from top to bottom, what is like the biggest thing that you feel like you guys overcame? 
throughout that process. I mean, our physical health for one, that's like, that's one, but there's other, there's so much more too. You mentioned briefly the intensity of the editing room um, or how it can be. Was that the case for you guys? Were you (laughs) both involved with the edit? Was that a painful process or was it easy? It was painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really a painful, painful. process. <laughs> yeah, we had an we had an editor involved. So I mean, towards the end of the process, we were able to um, build a bigger team than just the two of us. And so that's when, yeah, Daria was already involved, our producer, but Chris Hedges came became involved as well. Um, we hired an editor named Mark Harrison, a guy in LA who. Um, was fantastic and then we also had um uh supervising editor doug blush who, who took a number of looks at the film as well um am i forgetting anyone we had and we had kate uh, kate on social impact now and so the, the team the team grew which was a really was a was a cool thing to see alex yeah as a composer yeah i was gonna say i would i would assume it was so satisfying seven years later being, you know, seeing your film being shown and then having people watch it and, you know, ask you questions. What a satisfying feeling, I'm assuming, correct? The moment of getting into hot docs was so incredible. And it, and it wasn't just incredible because, well, I mean, it, it was, but it, it was, wasn't just incredible because the film like was being recognized. Um, but one of the things that we had wanted to do was to to make a Lyme disease film that didn't just show to the Lyme disease community. And there had been previous films and, um, but it sort of all was, the whole conversation was happening within this bubble. And so to be validated by a film institution outside of the Lyme disease world, uh, Hot Docs is the biggest documentary festival in North America. Like it's an amazing, amazing festival. Um, and to have them say, we want you to come in to show this and we're gonna give you two in-person screenings and like Q and A's. Um, to have that validation, um, not just for us, but for the community and for the film and for the message was just so absolutely amazing. And that was, uh, I mean, as Lindsay said, that was just such a massive relief to get that first, that first thing to fall. Cause I mean, we applied to so many festivals and like you get rejected by so many, it's just the way that it goes. These things are so, so competitive. Um, and then once we got into hot docs, the other dominoes started to fall and we ended up being able to go to like 20 plus others and seeing it on a big screen was was really really incredible but as Lindsay said you get you know you you get COVID thrown in there and then you're traveling to all these places and uh and then and then a lot of emotional energy too you know I think that screening this film is a really is a really challenging um thing because you're there and you're receiving everybody's stories and um people feel heard but they also want to be heard and and um that is uh was a beautiful part of the process but also a really difficult one to like walk out of the theater and to have a lineup around the block of people all wanting to to tell their story well congrats on making something that has the power to to have an impact and you know actually affect people's lives this is a something that i talked about when Lindsay hagan was on the show how I so value things that, um, films, excuse me, that have so much meaning and there's message behind it and impact behind it. That is huge. It's key. It's so valuable in getting information out to somebody who doesn't know much about Lyme's disease. And, um, I just love that they can, like, it can continue on. The story can continue on. You know, if you think about it, 
imagine seven years ago, did you imagine that people would be still, or people would be watching your film and talking about it and it would go to the biggest doc film festival in the North America? I mean, that's incredible. That's such a win. And then guess what? It's even going to still continue on. People are still going to watch it and hear about this message and they need it. I love that about filmmaking and when there's message and meaning behind it and it's so valuable. No, it's good for us. It's good for us to remember. <laughs> it is. It I think is, it's you easy guys. for us to be like, oh my God, this process was insane. But um, because it was, but it, but it also, yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, it is um, to be where we are now, given where we started is, is uh, really incredible. And, and it did. Um, I mean, yeah, it did, it did really, really well. Let's get specific to people making a documentary. Um, would you have any message to them if they're at the beginning stages of this or perhaps right in the middle of it? What would be your message to documentary filmmakers out there? I care a lot about, um, and I've started to care more, I mean, I, about craft and image. I mean, being, being a filmmaker is so much is about that, right? Of how you, of how you shape these images. Um, but what really matters in documentary is, is your characters and your story and your connection to that story. Um, and there was, you know, of course, so many moments where you want something to look a little bit nicer, or a little bit smoother or whatever it may be. But story is what is what shines in documentary. Um, and I think that there is a push right now for so many, especially in the sort of more corporate doc world to make these docs that are shiny and pretty and perfect. Um, and they and they lack soul. And so um, I would I would remind people that documentaries are about telling true stories that that are that matter. Um, and they don't even, they don't even have to be social impact films. Like, you know, as Lindsay was saying, humorous, fun, beautiful films about people that are interesting, like those stories matter too. And they say something. And of course that craft is important. Um, and you don't want your craft to distract from the story, but story, story is the most important part. And, um, I'm, I just get like, so sick of turning on Netflix and seeing these like soulless films that are just like. A plus B equals C. And, and it's like, great. They shot it on an Ari and it looks amazing and I don't care. And, um, and so, uh, I would, <laughs> I would, I would just say that, you know, I think that we really, as, as much as we were like struggling and like, oh my God, like we, like, how does this look? And is this steady? And is like Julian and Rico, they shine through and Neil shines through and like, their purpose and their message shines through. And, and that's what made the film, the film what it is. All right. Final question for you guys. Um, we asked all of our guests this, but just, uh, is there a fellow filmmaker out there that you would be interested in hearing from, um, or a project perhaps that you've seen that you'd be interested to hear about that you think would be great to be on the show? I mean, I have a friend whose films I love. Her name's Ora de Kornfeld. She's amazing. Um, she's one of the most, talented shooters I know and also a super talented editor. And so she does, she does, um, all sorts of stuff, but all on the, or mainly on the doc side. Um, and her films are all just really soulful and beautiful. And, um, I would definitely recommend Dora. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. Thank you for sharing your story. 
We really, really appreciate it. And also thank you for making this film and sharing this film. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, go watch it and then get a screening together because you can do that and tell your friends. I'm telling you, I, I really, really value this type of stuff. And so thank you guys for being here. It's been a pleasure getting to talk to you today and, and chat over this film. Thank you, yeah, thank thank you, you guys, guys for having us. us. Really appreciate yeah. it. Featuring Filmmakers is made possible by Harvest Film Company. To dive into content about these projects that we discuss, you can go to our blog on featuringfilmmakers.com where we have everything laid out with behind the scenes, the original project discussed, and additional episodes there. So check us out at featuringfilmmakers.com. Thanks so much for listening. Love you. Bye.